everybody. Welcome to the Friday edition of Winners and Winers Radio. I am your host, Scott Steen, lead handicapper at winnersandwiners.com. You can catch me on Twitter at SteenRoller. And I am your co-host, Scott Reichel, senior handicapper over at winnersandwiners.com. You can catch me at Reichel Radio on Twitter. And together we make up Winners and Winers Radio. All we ask, give us an hour and we'll give you the winners. Sound like a fair deal? All right, let's get rolling. We've got a lot to get to today. Got some NFL. Of course, we're going to be finishing up our group of five plus independence today. We're going to look, take a look at the AAC, and we're going to take a look at the independence in the college football world. And the next week, we're going to be doing the big boys, and we're going to be doing them. I don't want to. I don't want to give anything away here, Scott. It's going to be alphabetical order. All right. So we're going to do ACC, Big Twelve, Big Ten and Pac-12 and the SEC on Friday. So you guys have that to look forward to next week. How's your day today, buddy? You all right? Overall went well. I faded the Orioles, so I'm doing quite well for myself. How about you? Free money. Free. Here's some more. Here's some more money for you. I don't know, man. I just, I don't know when it's going to end. I, I really honestly don't. Um, mine went well for me. We had the under in the Arizona game. Madison Bumgarner looked good. When we were able to hold off a late rally, we had eight and a half. Managed to get it there at eight. No sweat. And then another no sweat victory on the New England and the Philadelphia Eagles under 38 and a half. And it's, uh, it's easy to hit the unders when only one team scores, Scott. Holy mackerel. Now, I know they say not to read too much into preseason, blah, blah, blah. But do you think Philadelphia really wants Eagles to... Eagles are bad. Do you think they want to look that bad? Come on. When did they put yeah. the first-string quarterback in? When's that happening? Last six quarters, they've been outscored 52 to nothing. That's not good. It's an exhibition. Kick yeah. a field goal. It's it's an exhibition. And, oh, no, their kicker was hurt tonight. Uh, so they didn't... That's a damn shame. They didn't have a kicker. That's why they went for it on, like, fourth and four from the 12. It really was kind of weird how Jalen Hurts got scratched during pregame warm-ups because of a stomach issue. Right. And they sent him to the hospital. How about some Pepto Bismol, perhaps? I don't know. I I don't know. They they had an update said it's he's uh, it's not it's an illness. It's non COVID related. That's what they wanted. Heard it was a know. stomach bug. That sounds like you could use some tums or something. You know, I I feel like I, COVID gets all the press for any kind of illness right now. You know, he's they they've discovered stage four stomach cancer. He's got three hours left to live, but it's not COVID, everybody. So calm down. I don't know, man. It's it's it was it, it worked out well for us because we had the under, and of course, yeah, we might have had that on their uh, on our little uh, BTF, our bet the farm play. Or can we start calling it BTF now, Scott? We can call it whatever we want if we keep winning. That's but uh, I took a live under in that, so I also cashed. I took a live uh, New England minus five and a half after they scored the first touchdown, and so we're happy boys here. I hope every, hope everything went as well for you as it did for us today. I did lose my free play of the day. We had the Milwaukee Brewers on the run line and then should have had them on the run line for the first five because they uh, they crapped the couch for the uh, the second part of that game, Scott. That's an expression? I just, well, it's it's better than the one that would immediately come to mind and that I don't Fair think enough. I can say on the radio. So, yeah, we're going to try to make that a thing, too. He, he really crapped the couch today. Mm -hmm. You ever been at a party and done that? No. Yeah, that's it. It's it's not good. I have not done it myself, but I have seen it done. Do not attempt it at home. That's all I'm saying. All right, my friend. But before we get rolling with all that other good stuff, quick reminder that we want to have you guys stick around. We are going to be bringing you our Friday edition of Bet the Farm. It is going to be another football play. 
I'm excited about it. I know you're excited about it. So yeah, stick around for that. But before we do anything else, let's get rolling as we always do. Talk about the people that maybe their day didn't go as well. Scott, you know who you are. You thought you had a winner. All of a sudden, everything went south. And it was kind of like kind of like my Milwaukee game, except it was even more unexpected than that. Let's talk about it, Scott. Let's, let's uh, pick up that phone and call the cops. All right, very good. Let's get started as we so often do in the major leagues. And this is going to be the Detroit Tigers, Scott. If you had the Detroit Tigers on the money line, you're fading Quintana. You got to think that's a good deal. And it was, because after five innings, Detroit was up 10-2. to Time to call off the dogs, get Miggy some rest. Yeah, no problem at all. Whoa, ho, ho, hang on. This is the Angels we're talking about here, Scott. You know, you, can, you can't stop them. You can only hope to contain them. And the Detroit bullpen couldn't do any of that. They allowed the Angels to score 11 unanswered runs. And the Tigers, they scored no more. They peaked out after five innings. That game ended up 13-10 Angels. Holy crap, if you had the Tigers on the money line, you took one in the schnoz right there, and you should call the Cubs. And the second one was in baseball. If you had the Mariners on the run line against the Rangers, you're up 7-2 to going into the ninth inning. It's 7-4 to with two outs in the bottom of the ninth. Remember when the Mariners traded Kendall Graveman and oh, they yeah. thought that that was a very good idea? Yeah, we, we talked about that, that we didn't think that was the best strategy. Yeah, it didn't go too well either because at a 7-4 score, the Rangers hit homer to tie the game with two outs. Then it went to extras. Mariners scored two runs in the 11th, so you're covering again, but the Rangers scored the guy on second base, ended up losing the game anyway, but the Mariners uh, Mariners won 9-8, so you can rip up your minus one and a half ticket. Oof, oof. All right, and we'll finish up with the game just down this road from me. If you had the Royals on the reverse run line, plus one and a half against those Astros. Royals going for the four-game sweep. What do you think? 3-3 three, three after nine innings. Pretty good shape. All you got to do is just, uh, you know, let them, let them score one, walk it off. That's the kind of thing. And, of course, it wouldn't be a walk-off. They were the visiting team, but you know what I'm saying. But, no, Royals couldn't do that. And that's, uh, that would be two un-Royals-like. They allowed the Astros to put up three in the top of the 10th, the Royals made a little bit of noise in the bottom of the 10th, but not enough as the uh, Astros ended up making a couple of nice defensive plays. And that saved it. That saved the run line. So if you had the Royals plus one and a half, it looked good for the entire game, all except for the last part. And then it looked really bad. Hey, call the cops. Uh, not a fun time. Not a fun time at all. At least, well, at least it was a lovely day and you were out there in about 90 degree uh, heat in Kansas City in the middle of the day. So, Scott, let's talk about the ones where things went a little better. We kind of alluded to one earlier, and we will... Uh, <laughs> I just saw what was on the list. We'll uh, we'll talk about that, but these are the ones... This is the spot you want to be. These are the gravy games, everybody. These are the ones where you are sitting in the rocking chair. So, the first one involved the Tampa Bay Rays minus one and a half against Baltimore. And I think I should just end it at that, right? Because Baltimore gets killed every game, especially by Tampa. Tampa was up 7-0 very quickly. Game ended 7-2. If you had the Rays minus 1.5, minus 2.5, or like my co-host here, minus 3.5, you had yourself a nice, easy winner. Unbelievable. Uh, uh, Rays team total over. Rays first half. It just, yeah. Anything with the Rays fading the Baltimore Orioles. That was my YouTube play. That was, oh, that was your, that was your freebie? Yeah, solid. Give the people. I had the five and a half. Give the people what they want, buddy. Very mm -hmm. nicely done. 
Hey, if you had the Diamondbacks against the Phillies, <laughs> I think the Phillies are ready to get the hell out of Arizona. Uh, Diamondbacks plus 180 because why? Oddsmakers aren't learning much. Um, they led six zip after seven. Phillies scored a couple there late, but nothing to even threaten as they ended up winning six to two, did Arizona. And if you had the Arizona Diamondbacks plus 180, getting almost two to one on your money there at nine to five, that's a nice payday. And you are sitting in the rocking chair. And the last one is <laughs> the final chapter of a brief discussion that we had yesterday involving the Little League World Series. Load up! And we mentioned that a team was favored by five and a half runs. Load up! In a seven-inning game. And it was Hawaii. Now, Hawaii was taking on Connecticut, hit a solo home run to lead off the game. Oh, no. After that, it was all Hawaii because Hawaii led seven to one. <laughs> After the fourth inning, I mean, led eight to one after the fourth inning. Sorry, won the game nine to one. So if you had Hawaii money line at minus eight hundred for two grand, and who didn't? Or had, yeah, or if you had the minus five and a half, we talked about it on the air yesterday. But that was a pretty sharp side, apparently, because Connecticut needed eight and a half runs. You could tell the Ozbakers were just daring you to take Connecticut, just daring you to take Connecticut. I didn't fall for the bait. I had minus five and a half. I don't care. I even had to pay minus one thirty for it. Didn't care. Didn't care. I don't know. I don't know who's pitching for them. Is it Timmy Chang? Who the hell is pitching for the Hawaii team? That was a good quarterback. Yeah, I know. I was, I was just thinking somebody with an arm. I couldn't. I can't name a Hawaiian pitcher. I'm sorry. Uh, Jesse oh, Jesse Orozco. Okay, that's fair. There you go. How about that? All right, guys. So that's it for the rocket chair. Oh, Scott, I love it. I love it when you do the sheet because he had that. He had the Little League World Series put in there because we talked about it yesterday. So hey, drop us a comment. Tell us if that's out of bounds for you guys. If you guys are watching on YouTube, drop us a comment in the comment section. Tell us if you'd bet on the Little League World Series, if you had an angle. If you think you've got an advantage like that Hawaii team, tell me, do you care? Little League World Series, bet on anything? Dog show? Would you bet on the dog show, AKC dog show, Scott? Would I do it? No, but I just want to keep in mind in the comment section down below on YouTube, it's a judgment-free zone. We've all been there before where we've bet on something we're not proud of. Oh, no, we're not putting it out there to roast you. No, I just... I'm saying in general. No, I'm saying amongst themselves in the comments section. Be oh, nice to everybody. Yes, be nice to each other. I just want to see how many DGens like me are out there. That's all I'm looking for. Um, I didn't. I wasn't proud of myself until they, until they won, and I was very proud of myself. So, All right, Scott. I feel like this award that we're about to hand out, I feel like if we had been doing this show for, say, five years that the gentleman that won the award today would be a multiple award winner. Would you agree with that? I think I'd have to, just because of the fact that this guy is a particular character. Yeah, it is. It is. I know. Okay, we've teased you enough, guys. It's time. It's the Friday edition. We're going to see who's going to strap on the golden feed bag and wear the crown. It's time, once again, kids, for Donkey of the Day. You know, I want to stop that about halfway through, but it just, it seems like you got to wait for him to finish. It seems like it would be rude. Donkus interrupt us there. Well, Scott, there's a young fella playing football down there in Tampa Bay, and he's had a, can we say, a checkered past? That's one way to put it. You can also say that he's uh, been arrested a couple of times and he's had some issues. But yeah, sure, checkered past works. But good news, earlier this week, I read an article that said he is totally 
turned over a new leaf. It's Everything has changed, Scott. So we're going to check in with Antonio Brown. Scott, could you give us an A-B update? Well, he won a Super Bowl, so that's kind of the bright spot okay. from this past season. Back to you, but, Scott. Yeah, he was in practice, and a week after he said he turned over a new leaf and the drama was behind him and he's ready to start a new chapter, he kind of started a brawl in the joint practice with the Titans. He punched somebody in the face, and both teams ended up getting into a bit of a skirmish. I'm not exactly sure how long the skirmish took place. And I know that you also had, you always have an, a fight or two in preseason every now and then, but just because of Antonio Brown's past and the fact that he literally just said that he's going to put all the drama behind him. Right. Maybe you shouldn't start a fight that gets half your teammates like into a massive skirmish that they shouldn't have been in the first place. Can you imagine Bruce Arians watching Tom Brady in the middle of some skirmish? thinking there goes my hero. You think Brady was able to get out of the way? I'm assuming he could have. If it was Joe Judge, Brady would have had to run a lapse. I just don't picture Brady in there mixing it up. I don't either because he has better things to do. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. Uh, yeah, that's... Uh, <laughs> and who are they practicing with? Uh, the Titans. The Titans, that's right. Oh, my God. Can you imagine? I, now, I bet Mike Vrabel wades in the middle of that. I think Vrabel might be leading the pile. <laughs> I think he just like starts ripping guys on. So does it mean anything? I mean, no, not really. He's not going to be, I mean, there could be some internal, there could be some internal discipline or something like that, but it's not going to be any kind of a fine or suspension from the league. It's just, it's just a bad look for a guy that really kind of keep needs to keep his nose extremely clean. And that nose was a little bit bloodied at practice there yesterday. Agreed. I mean, you can make a yeah, you you can make a serious case that Antonio Brown shouldn't be in the league anymore because of half the stunts that he's pulled over the past couple of years. Yeah. And I'm not going to talk about the fact that he won a Super Bowl anyway because you know so it was either him or Le'Veon Bell, and both of them had their own situations going on in the last couple of years. Antonio Brown's, of course, being a lot worse from a legality standpoint. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't really think, and I'm, I'm not a big Le'Veon Bell fan, but you can't really equate you know being a prima donna and holding out with some of the legal problems that they Oh, no, had. of course not. I'm saying in the mind of Steelers fans, it was a lose-lose situation watching that Super Bowl. But oh. as a whole, Antonio Brown is just a massive diva. We already know that. It's not like that's a secret at this point. So you might make an argument that it's not a big deal. You know, fights happen sometimes. But I would say that he's still the distraction that he tries to not be which is a bit concerning when you're trying to defend a title. Absolutely true. Absolutely true. All right, guys. Well, a quick reminder, you are listening to Winners and Winners Radio. Give us an hour and we'll give you the winners. Scott, we're going to talk about a game here on this next segment that you and I touched on a little bit yesterday. We were a little incredulous as uh, what was going on with this total to start with, and it looked like we were extremely correct because I don't understand it, didn't understand it then, really don't understand it now. Scott, uh, let's pour one out and do a shot, Sally. I think, uh, once again, the odds makers uh, were drunk. Well, we're taking a look at the Tampa Bay Rays and the Baltimore. No, we're not. <laughs> no, we're not. We've, we've retired them. Scott, what are we looking at today? We're going to be looking at a daytime game from yesterday between the Angels and the Tigers. And 
You want to do the honors on this one? You want me to do it? Well, I will. We'll uh, the the total was set for this game at nine and a half. Scott, that doesn't seem like an unreasonable amount between the Angels and the Tigers, and neither team is tremendous offensively. But there were some extenuating circumstances, namely, who's on the mound, Scott? Uh, it was our old buddy Jose Quintana going for the Angels. I didn't know he was still there. I, um, I'm assuming he would have been DFA'd or wear cement shoes in the bay, something. I didn't know that he was even still a thing. And, of course, the youngster Matt Manning was on the mound for the Tigers. Uh, Manning had shown flashes. He hadn't been as consistently horrible as Quintana, but, you know, he he can definitely be got to. Scott, we talked about it yesterday on the show. Nine and a half seemed like a really low number for this game, and it seemed like a stupid number, and it ended up being a pretty stupid number. Uh, tell me what happened in this game, Scott. Well, Quintana got shelled. Oh, Manning shocker. struggled, but he kind of held his own a little bit. But anyway, total was nine and a half for the full game. You had 11 runs in the first four innings. That's good. And the game landed at 23. That's a lot of runs, Scott. That's a lot of runs. How many did Buck Farmer give up, you know? Uh, I don't even want to know. <laughs> I don't even know if they use him anymore. <laughs> Nothing would surprise me with Detroit. But the only thing I know is when you're talking about how Quintana's still there, my argument would be that Keegan Aiken still pitching every single five, six days for Baltimore. I don't know why he's still on a team. Keegan Aiken's going tonight, buddy. Yes, he is. But I'm saying in general, a couple of teams have pitchers where they probably shouldn't be in the league anymore. Well, we talked about it yesterday, about the the, the guy that had made 19 starts with a 6-7 ERA. Like, how is Shama that? E- yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, how is that even a thing? Why are you not DFA'd? What are we doing? They, they also just signed him. That was even worse. That's that's like when you go to the pound and you see a dog there, pick a breed, it doesn't matter, and they go, well, this dog bites everybody. It doesn't matter who you are. You can be nice to him. You can have food. It doesn't matter. He's going to bite you. Well, I, you know what? Give me that dog. I'm going to take that dog home. And you get the dog home. You get him out of the car. He bites you. You're like, oh, who could have seen that coming? So, yeah, Jake Arrieta sucked, and then they traded for him. Still sucks. I, I, I don't get it. I, I don't get it. And I don't. In the amount of money these guys are making, um, all right, get off my get off my lawn, you kids. Okay, Scott, that's enough. That's enough ranting. But the, yeah, that was I mean, seriously nine. What, what was the live number in that? Twenty-one and a half, twenty-two and a half. Where do you, where do you think the highest live number got? Did did somebody take it over and get beat? Did they eventually have it at like twenty-seven? Yeah. And you're like, oh, no. Well, I'm not going to include the later innings, but if you want to talk about seventh inning, maybe right when the Angels were making the comeback, I'm assuming the live line was probably 22 and a half. Yeah, yeah. I just, I don't think anybody. I think that was. I think the odds makers were drunk, and I think they paid for it because probably every live over hit. Yep. All right, Scott. I know you're a Jets fan. This is a sad day. Speaking of pouring one out, I'm going to pour one out for you and for uh, Carl Lawson. Big-time pass rusher there for the Jets. Ruptured his Achilles in practice yesterday. Ugh. Um, so, I know this is the question that you wanted to ask. The Jets team total is six, or it's a juice six and a half to the under. Now, does this injury guarantee that the Jets will come in last place in the AFC East? And I have to tell you, when I saw that question, what did I ask you? Weren't they going to come in last anyway automatically? <laughs> right. Who's Who are they going to beat in the East? Which... Do you can you tell me a team who are they going to beat, Scott? I think maybe Don't they can it. sneak one Don't by Miami. Don't sell you knew you're going to say it. Maybe, okay. maybe if Tua just has a really awful game, but 
it wasn't really about coming in last place. I know some books let you bet on who's going to come in fourth, and the Jets were the clear favorites in that. But it's mostly about the win total. Of course, the Jets signed Lawson during the offseason, paid him a decent amount of money, and that really just went right to the shredder because he's not going to play this season. But that total, I thought, was too high to begin with for the Jets. I don't want to say that they're a lock for the under, but I just don't see how they're going to even win six games to push. I'm looking at I'm looking at their schedule here, and I'm trying to figure out how many games they're going to be favored in. I see two possibilities at home against Jacksonville and at home against Philadelphia. Oh, I'm sorry, and at Houston. It's possible if Houston is as bad as we think they are, and of course if Watson doesn't play, it's possible they'll be favored in three games. The only thing I know is Cincinnati, that Cincinnati. Yeah. Shout out to Cincinnati. Okay, that's why I was asking you about the division because if you're going to automatically say they're getting swept by Miami and automatically getting swept by Buffalo and New England, so if they hypothetically go zero and six in division, uh-huh. there's no point in even talking about the out of con- the out of division because they're just going to win like three games. I'll give you one. I'll give you one in the division. I think that's probably high. I think I think the division. If they had a division line, I think the number would be uh, half for the for the over under. I think it would be one and a half. You think it'd be heavily one heavily juiced, heavily juiced to the under. Yeah, but I think it would be one. And a half. I'll pay that under all day. So, are you? you have bu- six, yeah, you have six division games. Odds are you find a way to win one. You'd think. Were yeah. you? Were you? Uh, did you think? Did you expect anything out of the Jets this season as a Jets fan? I I thought they might be competent, which is really just a step in the right direction for this team. I think the hardest part about it's the fact that Lawson is supposed to be one of the best players on the defensive side of the ball along with uh, C.J. Mosley, who's finally back healthy. I don't know if he can stay healthy, but he's healthy for now. It was mostly just seeing if he had a serious untapped potential with an elite defensive mind with Robert Sala at the helm. You were kind of hoping that the Jets' defense for a ceiling would be top 10 in the league. Is that fair? Yeah, I would think so. Without Lawson, the pass rush is terrible. I I still think the secondary is fine. And they've been a good rush defense for a while. Yeah, and the linebacking core should be okay if Mosley stays healthy, but their pass rush just literally went from maybe mediocre to bottom five yeah. in the span of about one day. They went they went they went from uh, acceptable to the to the Tennessee Titans, basically. Pretty much. Now of course Sullivan's gonna dial up some blitz and find ways to get around it, but as a whole, if you if you cannot generate pressure directly with four guys in a standard pass rush, you're gonna lose a lot of games. Agreed. Agreed. Totally agree. Especially the uh, in that in that division where you've got some. Uh, of course, New England's going to run it down your throat. But as far as Buffalo goes, they're going to they're going to throw the ball. Miami's probably going to throw the ball. So, not pretty, Scott. Not pretty at all. So, sorry, buddy. I'll pour one out for you, Jets fans. Hey, let's talk a little. Uh, let's talk a little hockey, shall we, Scott? I forgot. I forgot. I thought we were going to talk about hockey when I previewed the show. Um, Sabers number one draft pick, Owen Powell. Going back to college, one more season, Scott. He's the first number one pick not to play in his team's NHL season opener since 2007 and 2008, I believe. Sorry, I think I, I think I misspoke, Scott. I said I think I said Powell. It was Owen Power. My, great my, name, my great bad. name for a hockey player. My bad. Not as good as Will Power, the the driver, but it's still pretty pretty good, right up there. So, does this surprise you, Scott? Somebody that's not all about the do re me. It doesn't fully surprise me if you've been listening to the show for a while. We actually talked about this about a month and a half ago, two months ago. And Power said directly that he was going to go back to school. Now, Buffalo drafted him anyway. 
this just to be clear, this isn't a Bo Jackson Buccaneer situation where he can just choose to not play for the team. Buffalo still owns his rights. He's just delaying when he's coming over. So you see that in the NBA with some guys from Europe, they'll spend another year in either like a Real Madrid or any of these other uh, countries and then they'll come over the year after. Like that's a thing that's happened before, but hockey, it's pretty rare. If you want to talk about what the frequency of this is, it's not even just talking about college. It's just any player could potentially go back to Europe, et cetera. But he's the first number one pick to not play in his team's NHL season opener since 2007-2008. So it's kind of, I don't want to say uncharted territory, but it's rare. If he wants to go back to college and compete for a college title, I wouldn't agree with him from a business perspective. But what are the Sabres supposed to say? They knew that he was probably going to go back after the season because he told them he was going to, and they drafted him anyway. So, yeah, I'm not surprised by it, but I do think it's an interesting business decision. Well, and Michigan, how did they do this year? Because they're not traditionally a, a huge power in, in hockey. I mean, they're they're good, but they're not like the Minnesota schools. They're not like North Dakota. Are they in? Are they in that tier with with those with those schools? I would say Michigan is maybe a little step behind Minnesota, or maybe a Minnesota Duluth is right. real good for the last couple of years. Boston College is usually good. Pretty much the BU is good. Uh, you have a couple of teams there that are always in the running. I know Quinnipiac was randomly good for the last couple of years, but I think Michigan, they're guaranteed to make the fro- to make the actual tournament every year. Usually make the Frozen Four, the Elite Eight, and then they lose. I don't think they win many titles, but they're definitely a top 10 program in all of college hockey. Okay. All right. So obviously he gives them a fighting chance there because he's that good. And just to be clear, he's the number one overall pick, not just the number one pick for the Sabres, because they did have the first pick in the draft, correct? 1.01. Okay, that's what I just wanted to make sure. You know who he looks like, Scott? Have you seen his picture? He's a huge defenseman. If he grew his hair out, do you know who he'd look like? No idea. He'd look like one of the Hanson brothers. Okay, well, not, I feel not, like that's not what the, you're looking for. Not the band Hanson. Not, not, yeah. not the Umbop boys. No, from, from Slapshot. He needs the glasses, though. He's got the glasses. I'm saying he needs them a little bit more thick. Oh yeah, yeah. He's got to, he's got to have a little worse vision. So yeah, very good. So congratulations, going back to get his education. I don't know what his degree is in. I doubt he'll need it, but you never know. So congratulations for somebody that's yeah. And it's not like I said, it's not like the baseball situation where you can draft him and go back in the draft two years later. Somebody else takes you. They own you. Buffalo owns you. So never never a good place to be. Sorry, Buffalo. Sorry, sorry guys. All right. Um, and finally, Scott Dan Campbell. Dan Campbell. See, I got it right. Dan Campbell. He is the coach of the Detroit Lions, and he's getting criticism mainly from Twitter. When we say somebody's getting criticism, it's like it's really not from anybody in particular. It's just from the Twitterverse. It's from Lions Twitter, because you know that's a that's a great place to be. He cut poor deep snapper Don Muehlbach. It was Don Muehlbach's 40th birthday, Scott. Uh, is this just a, is that a bad look? I mean, can you wait till the next day or, you know, of course, then you're like, so then you're like having a party and you're, you can you see like he's getting ready to blow out the candles and he says, what should I wish for? And Dan Campbell says, whatever you're thinking right now, you might want to change it up because <laughs> I've got a better wish that you should be wishing for. And then you cut him the next day, right? You bring, say, I need to bring me a piece of cake and your playbook. Is it a bad look? Do you are you okay with this? Are we just trying to roast Campbell for no reason? Well, the silver lining 
is that Mulebach could have had another beer at his party because he didn't have to go to work the next day. Good point. So I guess I guess that's the silver lining there. But is it a bad look? It's the same exact situation as breaking up with a girlfriend, either like on your anniversary or on her birthday. It's the same idea. It's just a question of a lot of people know that that's a scummy thing to do, but it's also a business. So in general, I'm assuming you are against the idea of breaking up with somebody on their respective birthday. Yeah, it's not cool. That's yeah. not if they've had, not if, if you don't know it's coming. No, no. Now I'm all for. If you want to break up with somebody before their birthday, before Valentine's Day, before Christmas, that's a sound financial decision right there. I have no problem with that whatsoever. That's a better question, though. Did he know he was going to get cut? Did he just snap four times over the punter's head? And it's just like, I know I'm gone, but it's my birthday, so maybe I can buy another day. You know, Philly might be looking for a deep snapper. Oh, no, that was just on a regular play, wasn't it? That was just a, that was just a regular that was just a regular shotgun formation. Where I they, think Philly's looking... They're looking for a lot of things, aren't they? Yeah, I was going to say, Philly needs backups at every position. Potentially yeah. coach. Yeah, no kidding. All right. So, yeah, that's not cool. Not a, gr- not a great look. You'd think the first-year coach would maybe have a little bit of respect for the veteran there. Is it, I Could you ever be a deep snapper? Is, is there any other position in sports that's like a deep snapper, Scott, where that's literally all you do? You're a specialist. Or- I would say no, but you make an argument that being like the third string quarterback, you never see the actual field. Yeah. But if your only job is to hold the field goal, just to hold the ball in place. Right. I guess that's similar because you're only coming in for basically one play at a time. Yep. Yep. Very good. All right, guys. Well, we're going to do our previews as we promised. We're going to take a look at first the independent schools, and then we're going to take a look at the American Athletic Conference. Spoiler alert, that's where the best group of five school plays and we'll be talking about them right after this message so scott last time we were out in vegas every time we were trying to have a nice meal what is the number one question you kept hearing whenever we were at dinner are you gonna finish that what appetizers entrees sides you're always asking if i was gonna finish what i was eating okay hey in my defense you eat slower than a turtle on xanax but Okay, let me make the question a little easier. What's the number one question you would get from people when you tell them you work for Winners and Winers? What's Winners and Winers? Exactly. So what do you tell them? I tell them that it is the place to go for your sports betting needs. They have breakdowns on every single game in a variety of sports, basketball, football, college football. We know that's coming up. It's been really a great opportunity to just get better at sports betting, and they give you all the opinions that you need. Yeah, see, and the thing I like about it is the fact that they don't just inundate you with numbers that have no context. You know, you go to some places and they just throw numbers, 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 but they don't tell you what they mean and you just kind of your eyes glaze over. But these guys, not only do they use those same numbers and put them in context, but they're fantastic writers. They're great handicappers. You mentioned college football coming up. That's my favorite time to use winners and winners because they do every FBS game every single week. It is a fantastic site. Scott? What's the best part about Winners and Winers? It's absolutely free to use. That's right. It is absolutely free to use. Winnersandwiners.com. You absolutely have to check it out. You need to make this site part of your daily handicapping regimen. If you are not doing it, you are absolutely leaving money on the table. So, see? That wasn't that hard at all, right? Sure. You're still getting none of my fries. What? I, I, didn't, I didn't say a word. I saw you looking at them. Seriously, dude, it's it's been like an hour. If you're not going to eat them... Oh, man, that's brutal. All right, fine. Seriously, though, winnersandwiners.com. Go there, 
or B square. Welcome back to the second half of Winners and Winners Radio. Give us an hour, and we'll give you the winners, and that's what we're going to do right now, Scott. I am excited for college football season, man. Are you, are you ready? Ready to go. We're already, what, a, almost halfway through with all the conferences? Yep, yep. We've, uh, we've, we've taken care of the appetizers, and now we have pretty much steak and lobster for the entire next week. So, And I don't want to give a short shrift to some of these schools. I'm a big Big fan of the group of five schools getting some recognition. And it appears, Scott, I don't want to jump the gun here, but it appears that the direction that college football is headed, we're going to see less of these schools, not more of them. So I don't I don't like that. But let's start with the independents, Scott. There are currently seven independent schools in NCAA Division One or FBS football, if you prefer. It is Notre Dame, Liberty, BYU, Army. Uh, then it gets a little weaker, Scott. UMass, New Mexico State, and University of Connecticut. So the first question I have to ask, Scott, is of Connecticut, Massachusetts, and New Mexico State, which team is worse? I'm actually going New Mexico State. New Mexico State. Okay. Yeah. All right. That's solid. I think you, I think you can <laughs> certainly make a case for that. Um, and which team is the best? Is it obviously Notre Dame, or is BYU going to have anything for them? Oh, I thought you meant out of the bottom three. I was going to say UConn. Okay, but, uh, okay, yeah, out of the bottom three, you think UConn's the... So if they had a round-robin tournament, number one, nobody would come. But <laughs> number two, UConn would be the ultimate winner? Yeah, UConn has at least some resemblance of a defense, and I think they can maybe do enough to beat UMass and New Mexico State, but... I'd glue my eyes to it. It'd be like Akron versus Bowling Green, but in a round-robin tournament. Oh, that's a classic every year, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And just for just so you know, the win total, I'm gonna, and I'm going to hit it here real quick, Scott, because we'll, we'll do this. And Win total for UMass over under one and a half. Where are you playing? I'm going to save that for a bit. Okay. Okay, good. Uh, let's go to New Mexico State over under one and a half. Under. Yep, I think the the only winnable game I see on that schedule is UTEP. Everything else, I think there's a good chance they're going to be double-digit dogs. I like that play quite a bit. And last... They play UMass. They play UMass, though. What's that? They play UMass. Oh, there it is. Last game of the season. You're right. I stand corrected. They will be a favorite in one game. So, And then the total on UConn is also... Let me... uh, Stop me if you've heard this. Oh, it's going to be two. I thought it was going to be one and a half, Scott. You're right. They are by far the best team. Uh, where do you play? Where do you play there? I would look over, but it's mostly just because they have some cupcakes on the schedule. That team's also bad. They've got they they they. It's three weeks in a row, buddy. You're you're going to know. Three weeks in a row, they play UMass, they play Yale, and they play Middle Tennessee State. Right there. That's your only. That's your only three shots right there. Oh no, I'm Middle sorry. Tennessee- they have they have Holy yeah. Cross. They have Holy Cross. I stand corrected. I think they'll find a way to three, but if you're looking at two for being a push, you got a better chance on the over than the under. They should win at least two games. Yeah, I agree. I, I, I'm okay with playing the over there. So yeah. let's go through. Did you do Did you do win totals for everybody? I didn't do it for everybody. I just picked my personal favorite. Okay. Tell me some of your personal favorites. Who you got, bud? 
I got to start off with the team to answer your original question. I think Notre Dame's the best of the independents talent-wise. Having said that, they're projected to have a pretty down year, which is a little bit rare because when you see a team ranked ninth in the AP preseason poll, Mm -hmm. isn't your win total usually around 10? Yeah, you would think think that's a double-digit win team, yes. The Notre Dame win total, eight and a half. That's a little bit weird, isn't it? I think I think it is. That's what those two things do not compute, Scott. Correct. Now it's a brutal schedule. As an independent, you can usually pick it to go easy, maybe a BYU approach from last year, or you can go full on Armageddon and try to earn your spot in in the college football playoff. To go through the actual tough games here, they play Wisconsin in a neutral. They play Cincinnati at home. They play at Virginia Tech. They play at home against USC and at home against North Carolina. Those are some tough games. Indeed. Now, Virginia Tech is definitely the weaker out of all those teams, but Navy. the weakest, but it's on the road. Virginia Tech's always good at home, so that's going to be a tough spot. They're also replacing a bunch of guys, a new defensive coordinator. They lost nine starters on offense, lost a couple of quality players on defense. Jack Cohen, a former Wisconsin guy, is now the new quarterback. I was not an Ian Book fan. I think Book's better than Jack Cohen, so I think they downgraded a bit at quarterback. Having said that... Where, 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 where was Cohen after Wisconsin? Somewhere in Florida, right? No, you're thinking of Hornerbrook. Oh, you're right. You're absolutely right. My bad. I, I Hornerbrook can't. went to Florida State. He was atrocious. Yeah, but yeah. Yeah, Cohen at Wisconsin was a mixed bag. But he was the one that the kid from, from Kansas Book. City replaced. Yes. The, the kid that's starting for him now. But anyway, eight and a half, yeah, eight and a half just seems too low to me. I know that Notre Dame has a tough schedule and they got to replace some guys. They're a preseason top 10 team. A lot of it's based on reputation, but the rest of the games on their schedule should be manageable. They have 12 games, of course, which means that they need to lose four out of the five games that I mentioned in order for it to go under. I don't see them losing four to five out of the five games. I mentioned you who you got. Okay. So you've got them, you got them beating Toledo, or your easy your easy games are Toledo, Purdue, Cincinnati, Navy, Georgia Tech. Those five. I put I put Cincinnati on the tough scale. Okay, okay. Uh, Stanford. I Stanford's bad. Okay. All I right. mean that ship has sailed years ago. Okay. Yeah, I'm kind of with you. I would I would probably I'd probably lean over there, because you know that's a, that's a team. You know, it's not like when the Miami Marlins won the world championship and sold everybody off. They're Notre Dame. They always have a top 10, top 15 recruiting class. Everybody always wants to go play uh, for the Golden Domers. So I think they'll probably be fine. I'm excited about not seeing them in the playoffs. I'm, I got to be honest with you. I'm over Notre Dame being outclassed in the playoffs. Maybe they should just play Oklahoma and be done with it. Yeah, but I'm looking at the overall games I talked about. Wisconsin's a tough one. I think they'll beat Cincinnati because it's at home. Virginia Tech on the road, I think it will be tough, but I think they could win that one. USC, I know we both don't exactly like, and North Carolina should be good, but when three of your main games are going to be at home, I got to side to Notre Dame on that because they do have a very impressive home home field advantage. Yeah, they really they really do, and I'm yeah, I'm I'm kind of stuck there, but I'm I'll play, I'll take a slight lean over. I, I see you, nine and three. Now, BYU last year had a nice season, but that was kind of a jury-rigged schedule. They kind of, in some cases, literally played it week by week. So they've got a little tougher schedule. Of course, their number this year is seven. 
And I'm trying to see on this schedule, Scott. You think they can get you think they can get to eight wins? I don't think Romney is a quarterback, so I'm passing. That was kind of just the main takeaway. I I want to say I like the overall roster, but Zach Wilson was so good. And you replace him with Romney, who if you've watched in minimal usage and backup roles last year, I know, of course, backup, you know, he didn't have the right practice time, et cetera, but I didn't think he looked that good. It's not the Romney like, that was the receiver, right? No, they have another one. You can't swing a dead cat without hitting a Romney in Utah. Yep, pretty much. But anyway, as a whole, I'm looking at the – I'm leaning under, but it's mostly because I can't trust the quarterback play, but I'm going to pass. All right, yeah, and they had a they had a great defense last year statistically, but again, if you look at the level of competition, it 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 wasn't it wasn't ideal. It, let's just can we can we say that Scott? They played Louisiana Tech, yep. UTSA, Texas State, Western Kentucky, North Alabama, uh, Ohio. There's some dogs in there for sure. So, all right. So what stands out? What's your what's your favorite what's your favorite total in this one? So I mentioned the two that I liked, but I mentioned one. Uh, I like Notre Dame over just because I think they'll win nine games. I think they're talented enough to do that. But my second one is one of the bottom feeders that we talked about before, and it's UMass. I like UMass over one and a half wins at minus 150. Don't try this at home. A couple reasons why I like the over. I think they have four winnable games. They play UConn at home. They play Rhode Island. They play Maine. So they have two games against FCS teams that are not very good. And they play at New Mexico State, who I think might be the worst team in all of FBS. Now, when it comes to play, they got a transfer from Colorado in Lytle, who is a former four-star recruit. So they have some talent, I guess, at the quarterback position. Mostly about the experience coming back. The perks of being a terrible team, you tend to have a lot of guys back for a while because they don't have much pro value. So they have experience. And they have four winnable games on the schedule. I think they can chop those four. I'll take the over one and a half. The two FCS games mixed with UConn and New Mexico State, I have to like the over in that spot. You? Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. They have just enough bad teams with, and again, with the FCS teams mixed in there. I think that's a fair play. I'll tell you the one I like, Scott. It's Liberty. Liberty Biberty. Over nine, they bring back every offensive starter from a team that was, uh, as I recall, Scott, a pretty darn good last year. They uh, combined for th- th- uh, 34 touchdowns as far as uh, the quarterback play goes. Willis was very good, 20 passing touchdowns, 14 rushing touchdowns. Every, Like I said, every offensive starter is back. They've got nine starters coming back on defense. And if you look at this schedule, they've got they've got 12 games on there. The only game that they're probably going to be an underdog is uh, the I'm looking at UAB and the possibility of Lafayette and maybe Ole Miss, although Ole Miss is probably going to be pretty dreadful. So that's your only three shots that I think here that they don't pick up the win. I like this Liberty team. Once again, Hugh Freeze is doing a number there. These guys are all back together. Another year of experience. They had a big win in the bowl game against Coastal Carolina. Pretty pretty good game there in the Cure Bowl, wasn't it? It was. It was some awful clock management, but it was a hell of a game. Yep, it really was. So I like Liberty over the nine. I don't hate that either. I do think that regular season finale, though, against Army is a huge trap game, though. Really? 
I do. If you think that Liberty's going to be for either New Year's Six or maybe an undefeated season, which in this case we won't be because we're talking about a win total here. But anytime you go into the final game and you have to face a triple option team that's extremely physical, I do think they can potentially get caught off guard by it because Liberty was very good offensively. Defensively, they were pretty good too. But when you face a triple option team with about one week to prepare after a Lafayette game, that's a pretty brutal scheduling spot. Yeah, you're right. You're right. That's the the triple option teams are never fun, and um, nobody does it better than Army, unless it's after after the Lafayette game too. That's a pretty bad you know combo. Agreed. Agreed. All right, my friend. Well, let's take a look at the AAC, the American Athletic Conference. By the way, this is where the qualifier for the New Year's Day, the New Year's Six games. Uh, this is where they came from. It was the Cincinnati Bearcats last year. I was kind of pulling for Coastal myself, but it didn't work out that way. And Cincinnati, Scott, they are the, can we say it? They are a prohibitive favorite in this one. They are minus 200. Everybody else is plus 400 or better. In fact, everybody else is plus 900 or better, except for UCF, which is plus 400. So very, very thin, top-heavy division or conference here, Scott. Cincinnati minus 200. Can you talk me into putting my money anywhere else? Not really. I think if you want to take a shot on UCF because you think Malzahn's going to give them a little bit more consistency, I know both of us didn't exactly like UCF's previous coach. So if Malzahn can instill some discipline, particularly on the defensive end, then maybe they can find their way. But I don't see it. I just think Fickle's team's too talented. Uh, I think Ritter's a great quarterback. The defense is loaded. There's really a lot to talk about for Cincinnati. I'm still annoyed they choked away the game against Georgia for the bowl game after Fickle butchered the clock management in that game. But as a whole, I think they're the best team by far. I think if you want to make an argument for them to lose, I have a sleeper, which I'm not thrilled with, but I'm going to throw the name out there. Houston at 12 to 1. I think maybe if you want to make an argument. My main argument for Houston is the fact that since there are no divisions – in this conference, Houston somehow avoids Cincinnati and UCF in the schedule, right? which is an absolute unicorn. So if you think the other teams are going to beat each other up and Houston can take care of business and avoid Cincinnati and UCF at all costs, maybe they can make it to the title game. But once again, I just see Cincinnati and UCF going at it for the conference title. All right. I'm going to give you my thoughts here. A quick reminder, everybody are listening to Winners and Winers Radio. Give us an hour, and we'll give you the winners. Scott, the problem that I have with Houston, well, I have two problems. Well, I have three problems. First problem is Dana Holgerson. Haven't been impressed with what he's done at Houston at all. Seven and 13 in his last two seasons. And they've got a little bit. You like Toon? You like him at the quarterback position? I like him when he has some. And they lost a, yeah, they lost a ton of talent at the skill position. Now, it's kind of a mixed bag on defense. They return all 11 starters. Yay. What's the bad news? Uh, they weren't good. They weren't good. So that's always the thing when you talk about, well, how many returning starters do they have? Well, that's only part of the question. Because the other part of the question, did they suck last year? I'm sure they got another year of experience. Okay, maybe they'll suck a little bit less. But they're not going to go from last in, in the conference to first in the conference in defense. That's not the kind of thing that happens. So... Congratulations on everybody staying in school, keeping them together, but I'm going to need to see more from that Houston team. And there really is no great answer, Scott. I've got, for uh, for my dark horse, I've got SMU at, at, okay. at 25 to 1. And again, it's another extreme team. They've got 
a lot of talent on the offensive side of the ball. Uh, they're bringing in Tanner Mordecai, a kid from from Oklahoma. I liked him at Oklahoma. And they're bringing in another Oklahoma guy, tight end Calcaterra, uh, uh, who is a, a decent tight end. Forty-one passes, nine touchdowns over three years in in, uh, in Oklahoma. They got Bentley mm-hmm. running the ball. Uh, Trey Suggs coming in, uh, or Trey Siggers rather, from North Texas. Pretty good little running back. So they've got a nice punch. All the offensive linemen are back. Check, check, check. But again. You've got a problem with this team, and that is on the defensive side of the ball. So maybe, maybe they can step up. They've got a new DC coming in, and Jim Levitt. He was the head coach of UCF, excuse me, USF from uh, 1997-2009. Pretty good defense unit down there for the Bulls over those period of time, over that period of time. So we'll see. Again, at 25 to one, mm-hmm. you're just basically taking a, a scratch off here. But give me. If I'm taking a long shot, I want a team that's really, really talented on at least one side of the ball, and I think SMU covers that base. I only mentioned Houston because avoiding Cincinnati and UCF in a non-division conference I think is huge. Yeah, absolutely agree. As far as my win total goes, I've got Navy under three and a half. This is just, number one, it's a, it's a, it's going to be another down year for Navy. They've still got questions at quarterback. They still are not. I mean, they've got basically the same guys you had last year. That's the thing about Navy. You're not bringing in a lot of, uh, of transfers, right? So yeah. you, you've got, you've got the guys that you went with last year and just, this is just an absolutely brutal schedule. The only winnable games that I see for Navy, uh, they've got air force on the schedule. They have East Carolina on the schedule, and they have Temple on the schedule. Of course, they do have Army. Weird things happen in those games, but Army should be a big favorite there. Scott, that's three games that that they're not going to be double digit dogs in. I don't see. I don't see any way that they get to uh, to four wins. So my favorite win total is East Carolina. I like under five and a half at plus one twenty on FanDuel. That line kind of blows my mind a little bit. Just because of the fact that East Carolina has been terrible for the last couple of years. And I know that they're supposed to be better, right. but out of conference schedule, Appalachian State, South Carolina, at Marshall, Charleston Southern. Would we agree that that's going to be one and three? Yeah. Yeah. I think at best. So I mentioned Houston not playing Cincinnati and UCF. East Carolina plays both. So if those are five losses right there, mm-hmm. I got to look at the under because five and a half at plus money for a team that's been a bottom feeder for the last couple of years is a way too tempting. I'll take the plus money. All right. Well, they are going to be favored over South Carolina and temp. I mean, over South Florida and temple and Navy. It could come down. It's probably going to come down to that Navy game for you. would be my guess. I think the Navy, I agree with you should be down, but anytime you're running a triple option and you only have one week to prepare, you can see some really awful defensive performances in there. Well, that's, East Carolina is not good at defense. Yeah, that's absolutely true. But the, the problem with with Navy is they weren't that good at running the ball. They were 42nd in the country last year at rushing the football, Scott. If they're not top five, they're not going over 500. I'm not saying Navy's good. I'm just saying five and a half for a game that I think Navy has a shot to win. You said that East Carolina would be favored over South Carolina? No, no, South Florida. Oh, sorry. South, yeah, South Florida's terrible. But the point is I just I mentioned those five ga- five games they should lose. If you're already starting them at one and five, yep. it's going to be pretty tough to win six games. Okay, fair enough. All right, Scott, let's uh, let's close it down here and change gears just a little bit. We'll stay on the gridiron, talk about 
the uh, football game here tonight, and uh, there is there is a couple of them. Chiefs are playing Arizona. I think we're going to talk about that one a little bit later. But as far as the other game goes, it's going to be the Washington football team and the Cincinnati Bengals. Who you got there and why? I'm going with Washington. At the end of the day, Washington lost the first game to New England. Score looked uglier than it was because you had the 91-yard touchdown for no reason with like 10 seconds left. Right. New England proved yesterday that's a really good preseason team. And, and Cincinnati, I don't think is that great. So I think Washington is favored for a good reason. I actually really like the quarterbacks they have there for preseason. I thought Montez looked pretty good in the first game as a third stringer. I'll take the I'll take Washington. I think they'll win going away. And yeah. are you are you yeah are you okay laying five and a half in a preseason game? I think if you have a good reason to, and the reason would be if Cincinnati decides to keep it vanilla and not use Burrow, and you like the rest of Washington. I just think Washington lost, and people think that's crazy. I can't bet on Owen one team in preseason. They hung in there with New England, and New England proved yesterday that team's really good. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of with you. I think the the Bengals without without Burrow, the the defense looked a little better. I like the under. Yeah, I think I think they've got to, it. It's going to be down to thirty four and a half. I think by game time, we're starting to see it creep down from thirty five, and it was really weird. It opened at thirty three and a half. And then it got bumped up to 35, and now I think we're going the other way. So we'll see. We'll keep an eye on that one. And, of course, we have given incredibly short shrift to the world of baseball. Scott, we need another hour. Just tell your, tell your congressman we need another hour. All right, Scott. Any, I'll do my best. Give me, give, me a good, give me a good baseball play. So looking at the baseball card, are you really going to go wrong with just either A, fading Baltimore, or B, back in the Yankees? Yeah. That's the Yankees are playing. Yankees are playing good ball right now, and they've got uh, Nestor Cortez on the mound against Barnes, the guy that always gets my attention because I think it's, it's I think it's Corbin Burns, but it's it's Chris Barnes. So yeah, that's 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 a solid play. Run lines on both. Hope for the best. I mean, Yankees run lines minus one twenty five. I feel like that you have to consider taking that. Yeah. Any interest in taking Texas at plus two eighty or so against Chris Sale? I'm gonna pass. Uh, Boston seems to do well against bad teams and struggles against good teams. They lost to the Yankees, but we saw what they did against Baltimore when they had the chance. I just think they're waiting for a bottom feeder to come in. They'll get back on track. You? Yeah, I think that I think that's probably right. I'm uh, I'm I'm with you there. So, all right, Scott, let's take a look. And uh, it is. It's the end of the week. It's the end of the day. It's the end of the show. And there's only one thing left to do, Scott. That's for you and I to put our heads together. We put our we put our thinking caps on. Come up with our favorite play. So strap on those overalls, put on that straw hat, climb on that John Deere, and fire that baby up, guys, because it's time for the Friday edition of Bet the Farm. Scott, I uh, I, I can't remember how did we uh, how did we end up doing yesterday? We had go ahead. The New Eng- we had the New England Patriots money line. Money came in on Philly because people were a bunch of suckers, <sighs> and uh, New England won by thirty-five. Yeah, it was really close for about the first two minutes, so we ended up yep. uh, we ended up with the victory. Okay, now. Very nice, very nice indeed. All right, Scott. So, with that out of the way, let's see what we got cooked up for today. Hey, it's going to be another play from. The NFL, everybody, and it is going to be your Kansas City Chiefs minus three as they go on the road to the desert to take on the Arizona Cardinals. And currently, bet online if you want to take a little offshore action, minus three, minus 105. You're even getting a little bargain there. 
Well, Scott, Andy Reid, Big Red, lied to us last week a little bit, but he said he wants the starters going to play for a minimum of the first half. So it looks like they're going to use game three as they would game four in a normal uh, preseason. So this will probably be the most we see these starters. They may not play the whole second the whole second quarter because we've seen Andy live before, but I, a minimum they're going to play the first quarter. And Cliff, Cliff Kingsbury, he is playing games with the roster. He last year last week he said Murray was going to play. He did not. He's been real cagey this week. Most likely will be the same story. We'll see. But if you see him, it's not going to be for long, and it's going to come down most likely to the battle of the backups in the fourth quarter. Uh, Chiefs are going to go with Anthony Gordon versus Chris Strievler. We we saw uh, I like Chris Strievler's uh, like Strievler's mom Scott, but it's uh, hopefully the game will be out of hand by then and it won't matter. But I like this. I like Gordon. I like what he's done. And the other option there, if we don't see Gordon, we're going to say uh, Shane Bouchelle, the SMU kid. So yeah, I like I like actually I like both of those quarterbacks. So uh, Kansas City's third and fourth stringers last week against San Francisco. They did the job. They outscored them 12-7, to and actually that was the difference in the game. Outscored them 12-7 to in the second half. No reason they can't do it again against this Arizona squad that I don't think has the quality that San Francisco does up and down the roster. Give us the Kansas City Chiefs minus three, and that's going to be our BTF bet the farm play. Arizona's third and fourth stringers gave up a touchdown drive to Ben DiNucci last week. I've seen enough. I, I one day you can talk about Arizona one. They barely beat the Cowboys, who are awful in right. preseason. You you win a close game against San Francisco. I think it holds more merit. Good enough. All right, guys, and that's going to do it for this week's shows. We appreciate you listening. Appreciate you being part of the show. Checking us out on YouTube. Don't forget to download us if you're out in the car. You want to check out the latest version. We are available as a podcast on all your favorite pl- podcast platforms. Going. Anchor, Spotify, Google Play, et cetera, et cetera. So for myself, for Scott Reichel, for the whole team over here at Winners and Winers Radio, thanks very much for listening today, guys. We appreciate it. Have a great weekend. Good luck on all your plays. And we'll see you Monday on Winners and Winers Radio. Take care, everybody.